0: All right, open your Bibles to Psalm 19. Uh, boy, it's, uh, it's definitely the providence of God that Pastor Justin just spoke out of Psalm 119, because we're going to look at Psalm 19. And uh, we're actually going to reference Psalm 119 here in just a little bit. Um, how many of you have ever, you don't have to raise your hand on this one, but how many of you have ever been on a diet? and uh i can only think of one time that i've ever been on a diet and i didn't really stick to it but if you if you remember being on the diet it seemed that everything that tasted really good was not something that was on the diet something that and that stuff seemed to be really easily accessible i remember when i was on a diet one time one diet one time in my life if you can't tell i've only been on one diet and it didn't work and I went, I shop, I, I, I'm a creature of habit, so I like to go to the same stores, I like to build relationships with people, and the little local store that I would stop at most mornings to grab my coffee, the very first thing when you walk through the front door was a brand new Tasty Cake display. Front and center, as soon as the doors opened, there it was, on the very first day of my diet. So that diet didn't last too long. It's really not that much different in the spiritual realm. When we think about all of the things that our flesh desires, all of the things that would, would appease the flesh, and as Paul talked about in Galatians, the flesh and the spirit are in battle with one another, right? And those things that, that appease the flesh are often very much right available very often. Television, the internet, radio, break room gossip, country store front porch gossip. All of that stuff that, that feeds the flesh that causes us to uh, feed one entity and not the other, they're always readily available. And it, is, it, it requires discipline and it requires uh, desire and drive in order to seek the things of the Spirit. And so at The Well, we have been talking throughout this summer about spiritual disciplines, about different types of spiritual disciplines. We've talked about prayer and journaling and fasting and quiet time, accountability relationships. But most certainly, probably the most important spiritual discipline that we've talked about is about the regular consumption of the Word of God. Um, Regularly consuming God's Word and having it be a regular part of our diet. Um, And so in approaching this topic, I really found it difficult to determine what text I would teach out of. There's so much in Scripture that speaks about um, having the Holy Spirit uh, drive... Uh, your relationship through the Word. and There's so much in there. Old Testament, New Testament alike. So, if you think about it, in the beginning God spoke. His Word was spoken and things happened. Things were created. The very Word of God is powerful to create. When Israel made a covenant with God, they made a covenant with God and they God told them to be diligent to do all that He had told them to do, to teach His law to their children. David, as you heard in Psalm 119, and again in, you'll hear today in Psalm 19, he devotes entire psalms to the Word of God, which is why I chose uh, Psalm 19, or rather God chose Psalm 19 for me to speak about this out of, because uh, even when Jesus was tempted in the desert, He rebuked the devil and He said that man can't live by what? by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So it is the word of God that produces faith, that leads us to salvation for faith, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so let's take a look at Psalm 19, uh, psalm 19 sorry, rather, I'm going to read the entire psalm. We're really going to focus in on seven, eight, nine and ten, um, but I really feel like it is such a beautiful psalm that I, I, I want to read, read it in its entirety. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor their words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Will you join me in praying? Father, I just ask you, Lord, now as we open your word, as we share about your word and how beautiful and pure and perfect and righteous it is, I pray, Lord, that you would control the fleshly tongue that, that is delivering this message, and that you would put my flesh in submission and, Lord, that I would deliver clearly and articulate well that which you have for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So Psalm 19 is dedicated to God revealing himself to humanity. Um, we've all heard that very first verse. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. That's a, that's a pretty popular passage of scripture. We see it in a lot of worship songs. We see it written on a lot of people's uh, uh, inside their Bibles, people like to write life verses down, those kinds of things. We see that. That's very popular. The first six verses here, and again, it's, it's, it's hard to do 14 verses in, in 40 minutes, but the first six verses you see here is really the psalmist revealing God through nature, through, through his creation. God is revealing himself through his creation. God's always about the business of, of revealing himself to man. His crown is creation. And so in that, no one can look out here and say there is no God. No one can look about. I know uh, we have a good friend, Jesse, and he went hiking one day and he sent me a text from the top of the mountain. He said, I don't understand how anyone can say there's no God when you get up here. You know, in Romans uh, chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, so they are without excuse. Scripture says no one's going to be able to look around out here and say there is no God. They have no excuse. He speaks through His creation. He reveals Himself through His beautiful works. From general revelation here in Psalm 19, the psalmist moves to written revelation in the last half. And he, along with Psalm 119, which Pastor Justin just read from, This is probably one of the most important descriptive pieces of wisdom literature that we'll find with respect to the Word of God in in the Psalms. As we deal with the consumption of Scripture, as we deal with that topic as a spiritual and as a scriptural discipline, it's hard for us not to land in Psalm 19. So let's look really focus in on verses 7 through 10, if you will, with me. We're going to look at verse 7 excuse me, the law of the Lord is perfect. Now, I'm reading from the ESV, so you'll see uh, uh, probably a different translation. We're going we're to actually mention that. Um, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The law of the Lord is perfect. That means it's without blemish. It's complete. It doesn't need to be added to. There's nothing that's lacking. Within God's word, we find everything that we need. Now, hear what, I, hear, hear what I'm getting ready to say. Everything that we need to know who God is. Not everything there is to know. God has everything there is to know. But God's word reveals everything that we need to know. And everything that we need. Because it is complete. It tells us about the devastating effect of sin on our life. The perfect sacrifice of Jesus. It tells us all that we need to know about eternity. We talked about that the last time I was here How we should have a scriptural focus on what heaven is. and It is complete. We don't need another testimony, uh, as as the Mormons would say. We needed an additional testimony. We don't need to add to it. We don't need to water it down. God's Word is perfect. It restores the soul. Um, The NIV, probably the version that was on the screen, the NIV uh, translates that reviving. Some say restoring in the Hebrew it means to revive, but it can also mean to return. So it can mean to return as in to repent the changing of direction. Sorry is I'm sorry, but repentance means I'm changing direction. I'm repenting and I'm changing. In fact, one of the more common uses, according to John Piper and his commentary, is to describe the human repentance and obedience to God. That's how this word is used to describe the new king james says the law of the lord is perfect converting the soul so because god's word is perfect its effect on the soul that reads it and applies it calls us into a right relationship with god it 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 calls us to action the word of god creates an action and that is to return to a right relationship with god to be returned to our rightful owner. This is a constant necessity in our spiritual life to be drawn back into fellowship with God as our actions and attitudes sometimes draw us away from relationship with him. His word draws us back into right relationship with him. It causes us to be revived, restored, converted, to return to God. Second half of verse seven says the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple, The NIV again said that the testimony is trustworthy. We can rely on it. It's reliable. When all around us, especially in our time and and place that we find ourselves in today, with all of the conflicting messages about what truth is and who is truth and what is truth, God's Word is truth. It is steady. It remains the same. Nothing changes about it because it is the truth. And so it is a steadfast place that people can return to. It is a steadfast truth that all the distractions of the world that claim this is truth or this is truth, His Word never changes. And God reveals Himself through His Word in order that we would have a right relationship with Him. Psalm 111.10 says, The fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. Now, if we just limit that to I'm afraid of God. That's reverent respect for. That that reverent respect that I have for God. And we're going to talk in just a minute about how the relationship of the author and the reader play into its value. And so the Word of God is sure. It is a true witness. It causes those who read it to be open to the Holy Spirit. A reverent respect of the Lord begins wisdom now it doesn't begin snobbery a lot of times we can see people that spend so much time in the word that they actually elevate themselves above others and they they, they lose the intimacy of a relationship they become so elevated because they get a head knowledge and not a heart knowledge of scripture they they don't have a connection it's completely educational and we have to be careful that we know the author of Scripture well and that's how we come to know him is by having a humbled heart receiving the truth through the Word of God and as our fear of God grows as our reverent respect God grows, we will grow in understanding of who he is, who his character is, what his nature is, because it's all there. It's simply just a part of our spiritual development as followers of Christ. God's word makes us wise, makes us wise. There's street smarts and there's all these different smarts, but God's word makes us wise. We can see things that we couldn't see before as a result of being in the Word. Look at verse 8. He says, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. What is the result? The precepts of the Lord are right. The result is the rejoicing of of the heart. A precept is simply a directive or something that should be followed. It leads us to a goal of faithful living. But it carries with it the idea of orders or marching orders, right? A precept. They're so good, they're so right, that what does it cause? Now, I was a military man. I spent 20 years in the military. Some of the precepts, some of the directives, I wasn't rejoicing in my heart when I received those directives. Uh, Especially when one of them was to get on a ship and go 8,000 miles away from my family. That was not a directive that was rejoicing my heart. So, why does God's directives cause the rejoicing of the heart? So, it carries with it this idea that his ways are so good that because He's so right, they never mislead. They never take us down a dead end. I, 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 had, a, I had a question in my mind on some of the orders or precepts that I received in the military. There was, but there's no question. Gods are so good, they're so right that when God says it, it's going to be good and it causes the heart to rejoice inside it's impossible to be more and more conformed to the image of christ without understanding and following god's directives for our life and we find those directives in his word just as the old hymn he leadeth me and i haven't heard this song in a long time but i remember as a little kid sitting in church hearing this song sung he leads me oh he leads me oh blessed thought oh words with heavenly comfort fraught Whatever I do, wherever I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. He leads me, oh, he leads me. By his own hand, he leads me. His faithful follower, I would be. For by his hand, he leadeth me. He is always right there with us. His precepts cause our heart to rejoice when we get in the word of God and we see that God's care and intimacy for us is there in every one of his right precepts, it causes our heart to rejoice. It causes our heart to be excited and, and happy. You ever been picked first for the kickball team? Somebody shaking their head. No, I don't know. Well, I, you know what? I look like a pretty athletic guy. I've never been picked first for the kickball team either. I can only imagine what it felt like, that joy, that excitement to be picked first. That's almost how I feel when I'm reading Scripture, is that I got picked first for the kickball team. That that excitement, that joy, I can't wait to hear what he has to say. I said this last time I was here. If everybody lived according to the way God had designated for us to live, we wouldn't have the issues in the world that we have. There would be no violence, no greed, no war, no murder, no hate, no selfishness. Sounds like what? The presence of God, right? sounds like when we get glorified bodies and we're, we're in His presence, how wonderful that's going to be. Only because people have chosen to disregard God's laws and God's precepts that are right and true, their heart doesn't rejoice. And so they wander in sadness and questioning things because they have not accepted God's precepts as right. Look at the second half of Verse 8, the commandment of the Lord is pure. What is the result of the commandment of the Lord being pure? Enlightening the eyes. The word pure here is often used to describe purity or radiance of sunlight. The uh, 84 NIV translates it, and it might have been up on the screen. The the commands of the Lord are radiant, giving great light to the eyes. This is like Psalm 119, 105, uh, where Pastor Justin just read out of Psalm 119. 119, 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Proverbs 6.23 says, For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching is light. John chapter 1, he describes Jesus as the living word of God who is the true light, who enlightens every man in the world. God's word sheds light on an otherwise dark path. Have you ever been in one of those situations? You know, the Lord for some people is like, like I said, I, I spent some time in the military. And I, I, for four of those years, I was a drill sergeant. Now, you can imagine my older boys got a little bit different treatment than some of my younger boys right now. And my older boys, I would come in in the morning and it would be pitch dark in their room and I would flick that light on and I'd say, good morning, boys, get up. It's time to go. And boom, they'd jump out of bed and they got to adjust to the light, right? Now... The Lord has gripped my life and held tight to me. Um, we have dials on the light switches now, right? So, hey, guys. Good morning. I love you. How about we get up and get some breakfast? Dinner's ready. I mean, breakfast is ready. And the light comes on nice and slow. And, oh, You know, for some people, the experience. For some of us in here, our testimony is that light switch. Man, we were just deep in the darkness and all of a sudden Jesus cut the light on for us and it was like, pow, immediately God illuminated so many things. But for some of us, the word of God has been that slow dimmer switch. More and more things are coming to light in our life. We're seeing more and more things come to light. I was talking to someone whom I recently shared with and they accepted Christ about a year and a half ago, a young lady. And I said to her, and she was telling me about having a poor experience with some other believers who had been really hacking on her about some things. And I said to her, I said, when we become believers, there is, it's, it's a lot like having lived in a dark room your entire life, and then the light comes on. Whether that light comes on slow or fast, the light comes on, and we recognize that we have a dirty room. We recognize that we've been living in filth. And what happens is that a lot of people start looking in those windows and go, clean that room up. And they can't focus on anything but you getting your room clean. That's okay. But what I really want you to be happy about is that you can see the mess. Enjoy the light. The mess will get cleaned up. Then you can go to the window and say, hey, Will you help me clean this up? Rather than standing on the outside yelling at me to clean my room, invite people into your life to help you get the mess cleaned up. And the word of God, the commandment of the Lord is pure and it enlightens the eyes. And so maybe in here right now you're one of those people standing on the outside of the window pointing at someone else's life saying to clean it up. Go in the room and help them clean it up. Be enlightened. Let Enjoy the sunlight, the the radiance of the Word, the radiance of the truth. Enjoy the fact that you can see the mess and then engage the mess together through Christian community and fellowship. God's Word sheds light on an otherwise dark path. And so as we have the lights cut more and more on, sometimes it's a flip, Sometimes it's a slow fade. And the Lord always enlightens the darkness. There is no negotiation. When you cut on a light, the dark doesn't fight it. It flees. Because light always overpowers darkness. Look at verse 9. The fear of the Lord is clean. The, the respectful reverence of the Lord. The, the reverent respect of the Lord is clean. Enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The fear of the Lord is clean, meaning it is purifying it. It cleans things. That's what helps clean the dirty room up, right? It has a purifying effect on us. It endures forever. It doesn't change. First Peter chapter one, verse 24 through 25 says all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. You see the purifying effect of God's word is that it shows us how to be in a right relationship with him. It shows us how to be in a right relationship with God. It reminds us our relationship is something that endures forever. Not just when our Flower fades. But our relationship is eternal. It's forever. The word rules there, translated as judgments in other translations, speaks to what God says ought to be. It is his judgment, his decision, his declaration about what should be and what shouldn't be. And when God speaks, it's always true. As God reveals himself through his word, He tells us the truth about himself and the truth about things. God's word is not meant to help us. I mean, to hurt us. It is meant to help us. It is not meant to be a restrain, but it's meant to be a blessing. God knows what's best. It reveals to us the truth about things like forgiveness and how a lack of forgiveness causes the root of bitterness to take place in our life, to take root in our hearts, and it flourishes. And then we become a bitter and angry person. The truth of God's word reveals that. It reveals the truth about heaven, what we discussed last week, and all about it. It reveals the truth about hell and all about it and the seriousness of the punishment of God because God is just and he's also loving. His word is true. And in a world filled with such uncertainty, with all these competing opinions about what's right and wrong, it is a steadfast, enduring, forever truth that the Word of God is true. Lastly, in verse 10, this is where God really tied all of this together for me. And I hope it comes to light for you as well. Verse 10, More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey notice that he talked about the desire or the value of god's word within the context of both wealth and food the writer touches on the two things that mean the most to people money and food (laughs) the two things most people in here would chase after money and food and he says hey it's more valuable than any gold you could have and it's tastier than any honey we could get from a honeycomb it's the greatest thing ever David says that God's word is sweeter than honey why because he has a relationship with the author now hear me the reason nothing nothing came more to light to this than my time deployed as a soldier and there were many 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 days that would go by that I couldn't have any communication with my family sometimes months But I can remember that when coming back inside the wire, we would hear that we could go check our email. And let me tell you something. I'd have given you every penny I had in the bank to be the first person in line to check my email. I would have raced to the MWR tent and just... I I was dying to get an email from my wife. I just wanted to hear from her. Why? Because of the relationship that we have. Her words had more value than any gold you could offer me and they were sweeter than any sweet that was in the snack shack. Those words meant more to me than anything at that time and that's how we should approach the word of God. That we have such a relationship with the author that we cannot wait to hear what he has to say, to see what he has to say because we have a relationship with him. And that's why it's so important We not just read the word of God as a check on the box, but as a relationship, as a desired love letter, something that we cannot wait to get our hands on, something that we cannot wait to to read its beauty, its value, its flavor. And so the word of God is something we should be running to. So you may be sitting in here today and you may say, well, every time I read it, I don't get anything out of it. Maybe the relationship with the author is the problem, not the word. Maybe the relationship with the author is the problem. Maybe you need to really solidify your relationship with the author. And then his words will be like the light that comes on, enlightening the eyes, bringing joy to the soul, exciting the heart. Then it becomes more valuable than anything, any jewel, any Gold, it becomes the most flavorful thing that you've ever enjoyed in your life. That's how we as God's children should love His Word. We should be excited and value it above everything else. We're going to go through Ephesians in a few weeks at the well. We're going to be teaching through Ephesians. We're going to be teaching a series called Together. And I'll be challenging our family of faith To say, we want to be together. We want to be together as a body of Christ, moving forward to share and live out the gospel. And We'll be challenged in times and areas where we say, we because we need each other to move forward. The word of God repeatedly, continually reminds us of the need for Christian community in our life. We don't Get that if we're not in his word. So, there's five practical or four practical steps. Now, I, these are stolen. These are from my Dr. Whitman. He was one of my Bible teachers in Bible college. I, have, I was studying out of an old New King James version that I had, and I had this written on the inside cover, and I thought it was really fitting that I would share it with you. When it comes to the consumption of Scripture, read it. Number one, read it. Have a plan. They're all You can go and download a yearly Bible plan and read the entire Bible in a year. There's all of those things out there. But read it. Be in it. Make it part of your schedule. Make it part of your life. You know, we have our iPhones and we schedule all kinds of things. If you were to steal my phone off the seat over there right there, you would see a block of time where I, nobody gets any of that time. That's God's time. And I've got to have it. I have to schedule it because my life is crazy. Schedule it. Read it. Be in it. Get a version you understand. And and be sure that you have uh, a a good, solid translation. Reflect on it. So first is read it. Then reflect upon it. Meditation means thinking about what God has said. Perhaps writing it down on a card, uh, which will help with the next one. Memorize it. Remember it. Not only is Scripture memorization important, but it is super valuable in those times when God puts you in a situation where you're in the grocery store and someone is sharing their broken heart with you and you don't have your Bible app and you don't have your... That, it, it's there. It's fresh. It's, it's, it's memorized. You've hid it in your heart that no one can take it from you. And God will bring it to remembrance as it is needed. So read it, reflect on it, remember it. And then this is the most important one. Recount it. What do I mean by that? Share it with someone. Tell someone else what you've been reading in the Word of God. Share with someone else. This is called discipleship. Share it with each other. Engage each other and say, man, struggle through it together. Talk to Justin and some others and say what you've been amazed about and what you've been confused about. Share your hunger pains. Recount what you've been reading. Recount what you've been sharing. Because we ultimately, and I added this one, we want to respond to it. We want to respond to the Word of God. We do not want to be hoarders of the Word. So we want to respond to it by living it out in our action, sharing it with one another, memorizing Scripture, having our life completely engulfed in the Word of God so that we can respond to it. Simply do it. Don't just be a hearer of the Word, be a doer of the Word. God's Word is active and alive. And you are one of the conduits through which He uses that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to speak about the precious gem of the Word of God. Thank you, God. Thank you that you, the Word became flesh, that you came and lived perfectly because your Word is perfect. You died sacrificially. You rose victoriously. And thank you that you are coming again. Thank you for the word of God and for the Holy Spirit who indwells us as believers. And Father, today I I pray, Lord, that if there is someone who is hearing this, whether it be today in person or later on the Internet. That God. If their relationship with you is what is lacking. If they can't seem to have a desire for your word, it's because they're not desiring the author. Lord, I pray that you would, through your word, reveal their need for you as Savior. And that you would create a taste in their mouth for your word that could not be quenched by anything other than it. And Father, I, I pray right now that those who have a relationship with you, that they would taste again of its fruit and its goodness and its life changing and life-altering power lord we love you and we thank you in jesus name amen